For those of you who don't know me, my name is Josh Furrow. I am the youth director here um, for our youth ministry, and um, it's just such a blessing to be with you guys this morning and uh, to get to express what I feel like God has placed in my heart for this church this morning. So um, I also, since I'm the one up here, I just wanted to take a minute to tell you a little bit about some things that I've seen working with the youth ministry here. And it's been such a blessing getting to, um, really with the Bridge Youth, getting to do relationships with the youth in like the community, not just here, not just your kids, not just some of you who come, but also just the kids in the community as well. And so I wanted to share with you some of my observations, really two things. One, these kids, um, they can see when somebody's faking it 100%. <laughs> like they, they cut through the crap many times and they're like, get to the point or else we're like, we're gone. And two, these kids are so hungry. And I'm not just talking about the snacks that they go through week after week. I'm talking spiritually, they are so hungry. And they're hungry to understand who they are. They're hungry to understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So what a charge and responsibility for us that is, because they're looking at us. And they're looking at us to see, are you gonna truly live out? You're saying you're a Christian. You're saying you're gonna love me. Are you gonna walk with me? Are you gonna follow through with the words? So what a charge for us to be true representations of the church and true representations of who Jesus is. So I just wanted to press that out this morning. And in order for us to adequately do that, we have to first receive from him, from God ourselves. Because we can't give what we don't have. So we have to go to, the, go to the Father, we have to receive his love for us, and then we can adequately go and share with these kids, and they can see a life truly built upon our firm foundation, which is Jesus. So that is kind of what we're going to be talking about today, what it looks like to walk in obedience to our Father. Um, and that's why today I've titled the message, The Rescue from Self. So real quick, I just want to pray for the reading of God's word this morning and also for my word. So join me as I pray. Father, I just want to say that I love you. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity I have this morning to uh, be obedient um, and to speak the words that I feel like you've placed on my heart. Lord, help me adequately um, speak your words. Let it not be my words, but your words to these people. And Lord, just soften our hearts to receive um, what you have for us today. Um, Lord, please be with us as we read your word. Help us to understand um, what your word is speaking to us here. Lord, we invite your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So over the last couple months, we've been going through a really powerful series called Rescue. And I don't know about you guys, but I have received personally so much from this series. And also on top of receiving, I've been challenged. Um, raise your hand if you've been challenged by the Rescue series. Yes. I have been challenged to activate my faith, to open my eyes, to have eyes that see this is the rescue mission God wants me to jump into here in my life, the things right in front of me. So I've just been so blessed by that. And one of the things I think is really cool is the unity that is in the spirit of God. And I have a lot of friends and family that um, you know, are in Christian churches throughout the Midwest. And as I've talked to them over the last couple months, it's been so interesting to hear how this theme of rescue is everywhere. It's not just here. And so I think that's so cool because it's like, wow, we really do serve the same God as all these other churches that we don't really talk to normally, but like God is the same spirit in us all. And I think that's really cool. Um, but I think that there's a purpose why this theme is coming up. 
And I think the reason is that there's this awakening going on in the big C church, the Christian church in general, this awakening to return to that, that, that sole purpose, the identity of why the church was created for, which we've talked to in the past couple of weeks, is rescue. And I think God is stirring this in all of our hearts so that we can get back to who he created us to be. But whether that is, whether it's because of laziness or pride or hurt or fear, I do feel like us as the big C church, we've kind of retreated in a way from this rescue mission. We've kind of been in, in hiding. And I think in the hiding, we've forgotten the call that Jesus gave us to follow him. So that's what we're going to look at today, the call to follow him. And what's interesting is those two words, follow me, or in some, in some variation, are found 13 times in the Gospels alone. Um, so it must mean that Jesus really wants us to do it. We must follow him. And something um, that God's been highlighting to me a lot while I, I read the word is anything that's a call to action, anything that he's calling me to do something, it, it's really sticking out. And so I was reading some, some passages when he said, follow me, I was just like, what? That's an action. It is, he's calling me to do something. What is it? What does it look like to follow him? And what I think is so interesting is we, we believe in a God who is still alive and moving. He, he died on the cross, but he raised again, so he's still alive. He's alive in us, and he is still up to rescue missions today. So we believe in a God who is still active and moving today, and he, that active God, is saying, follow me, but yet we find ourselves so complacent and stuck. Like, what's the disconnect there? We're supposed to follow a God who's saying, follow me, move with me, but we're not moving. We're complacent spiritually. And so I, that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today. So we're going to look at one of those passages that ends with follow me. And um, we're going to see what that looks like. So let's look at Matthew chapter 16, 24 to 26. It says, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple... Can we all agree that we want to be a disciple of Jesus, right? Whoever wants to be my disciple, we fall in that category, must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Now, I'm reading this for looking for actions, and I, I see a lot of actions in one sentence that ends with follow me. Three actions, deny ourselves. It's an action, I promise you. It's an action to de deny yourself every day, to take up our cross, action, and to follow Jesus, action. So I think somewhere down the line, this is, this is all action movement, so how are we stuck? We're, we're complacent, we're not moving. Well, I think somewhere down the line, we've simplified this continuous lifelong call of action of movement down to one moment in our life like our salvation experience. We're saved, we, 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 we deny ourselves, we say we can't pay for our sins. We say, Jesus, his, his blood, his sacrifice was the atonement for my sin, so I pick up my cross, my sin, I follow him to the cross, I receive what he did on the cross for me, check mark. That's my call, he said, deny yourself, pick up your cross, follow me, done. Now I can go about, live my life, and I can say, saved by grace, done, don't really have to, think about it anymore. But I think we might be missing a point. I think we might be missing a point. Because even though salvation may take a moment, the moment we receive what Jesus did for us on the cross, transformation, which I think is really the call that Jesus is inviting us into, transformation into the image and reflection of Jesus takes a lifetime. It's not just a moment. 
So we like to say that we believe in a God who's still alive and moving and always up to something good, always up to the next rescue mission. But yet we're finding ourselves live stationary. So we claim we want God's will to be done in our life. We want to see our country changed because it really needs changing, right? We want to see the next generation encounter Jesus, devote their lives to him. We want to see Fulton saved in the name of Jesus. Amen? But we don't want to be, we don't want to have to move. <laughs> don't break me out of my rhythm routine. Don't, don't break me out of my lifestyle. I think that sometimes we can get in the mindset that we don't want to jump into the mess that is life with sinners because it might get a little dirty. It might get a little messy. But if we're following Jesus, that's not how we see Jesus live his life. He seeks out the sinners and he brings them in. He invites them to the table and through discipleship and walking with him, they are transformed into a disciple of Jesus. So I want to propose something this morning. I want to propose that we might be missing something in the call, that there must be something in the obedience to God's command, to his voice, to his call, to, to walking with him in the action that changes us. And I, we need to understand this foundational truth, that God by no means needs us to be part of rescue stories. He doesn't need us. He by himself could save the entire world by just his glory and power. But yet he chooses to invite us in to the rescue stories with him. So that there must be a purpose for that because he doesn't need us, but he chooses. So could it be that within the obedience to partnering with him, within the obedience to the commission to go to the nations, to make disciples, to share the gospel, while we practice and go out and practice on loving people the way that he calls us to love, could it be that within the action that not just the rescuee, the rescuee who we're rescuing is changed, but we're changed too, that we're, we're transformed in the process, changed, molded, and shaped into the image of Jesus, and we can then become true disciples, followers of Jesus. So if we're going to live out this call and partner with God to change generations and, and invite his kingdom to come, we have to start by living out the revelation of who God has created us to be today, and that is his child, and that makes the, a world a difference. So we're going to look at Exodus chapter 3 today, and Exodus chapter 3 um, is about when God first kind of calls Moses into his rescue mission for the Israelites. And before we jump into the, the scripture, I'd like to just set a little bit of context. So we, we are going to find in Exodus chapter 3 that Moses is in hiding. He's hiding. He's, he's kind of tucked away. He's hiding from his past. Because you see, Moses, he was rescued as a baby out of the Nile. He, um, his, his original destiny was to die, much like ours before we knew Jesus. But all the, all the Israelite boys who were born were supposed to be killed. That was Pharaoh's decree. But he was rescued out of the Nile by Pharaoh's daughter. He was rescued out of the Nile. So inside of him... He held within him a, a seed of being rescued. He knew what it was like to experience being rescued. And Scott's been talking about this. Like, we have an imprint from God for saving us, by saving us by his grace and love. We've experienced it. So we carry this burden for rescue to go out and rescue others. Same thing with Moses. He had experienced what it was like to be rescued. But like us too, God had a greater destiny in store for Moses a greater destiny for God's glory. So Moses carried within him that call to rescue because he had been rescued. 
And we see this played out because he grew up and he became a man. And we see he goes out and he sees an Egyptian abusing an Israelite. And immediately that burden's like, I got to come out. We've got to rescue. And he strikes down the Egyptian and kills him. And then when it's discovered that he, he committed that murder, he ran in fear. Now, this is interesting because his call to rescue wasn't wrong. He, that, it wasn't even misplaced. It was the right people. He, you, you could see God had placed in him the, the burden to rescue the Israelites from the Egyptians. But Moses tried to act out rescue out of his own strength, take it upon his own hands instead of walking in unity with God. So the reason that I bring this up before we read Exodus is because I feel like this is where many of us are. We have been rescued. We've, we've received what Jesus did on the cross for us. We've been rescued. We, we know what it looks like to be rescued. And then maybe we tried, out to live, we tried to live out that purpose. We tried to be used by God, and I think some of us got hurt in the process. I think some of us got taken advantage of in the process of rescue, doing life with sinners. I think some of us just failed out of our own strength. We tried to do it ourselves. We tried to, to muster up the strength to, it would be to rescue somebody out of their sin. And instead of, instead of failing and turning to God as our firm foundation, the one we put our hope and trust and faith in, we hid. We went in, in hiding instead of refreshing ourselves in who we are in him and what he's created us to do. We went into hiding out of hurt or fear. And I think in the hiding, we've allowed the enemy to convince us of a couple lies. One, I think we've allowed the enemy to convince us that we can do this discipleship thing from afar. Being one of those 12 disciples that were with Jesus all the time, a little too scary. Get put in a little bit too vulnerable of a spot. He could, he could tell them to go do something and they got to do it. Scary. So I, I can be uh, the 13th. I can, I can stand back from afar. I can be a true follower of Jesus from afar. I'll live out of myself my, my little kingdom I've built, and when I want to tap into being a disciple, I'll, I'll kind of grab some truth, sprinkle it into my life, but I won't live out of the box of being a disciple of Jesus. I think some of us may have convinced ourselves that we can do that, or maybe some of us have been convinced that we just don't possess the gifting it takes to be used by God, and that's just such a sad lie to believe, because I'm here to tell you this morning that we all are called to be used by God because it's in your identity of being a child of God, of being invited. We've, we've accepted Jesus, invited into this, this family of God. And if we are truly believe that we're part of this family, we're going to be about our father's business. And we've established that that business is rescue. This is our cross to pick up. Let's, let's bring that slide back up. If you want to be my disciple, whoever wants to be my disciple, we must deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow Jesus. That's our call. So how do we follow Jesus? Well, I think it's by picking up our cross. How do we get to the point of picking up our cross? I think we should start by denying ourselves. God, Jesus laid it out, the rubric. Denying ourselves means we set aside me. I set aside me. We have to become selfless, less of me. Because our name is who we were before we knew Jesus. Our name is, is the person who had their own motives for life, building their own kingdom for their own purposes, led by sin and greed, and living as the God of my own life. But to set that aside and to receive a new name, I'm a child of God, it changes everything. 
I'm a son of the living God. I'm a daughter of the living God. If we take upon this new name, we're no longer about ourselves. We live for his purposes now, his purposes. And in his purpose, he says, pick up your cross. Pick up your responsibility. You're in this rescue mission now. You're here with me. This is what I'm doing. You're in my family. We're in it together. We share now in that responsibility of rescue, being used by God to establish his will, his purposes, which is for every person to come to know him, every person to receive his love and return it to him, to take upon a new identity as a child themselves of God. And when do we do this? We follow him. We follow Jesus and he, and we listen to his voice and we walk in obedience to him. All right, I promised we would get into Exodus, so let's, let's get into it. So just to kind of set the scene, verse two, the angel of the Lord appeared in the, the flames of the burning bush, but the bush was not being consumed by the fire. So we're gonna pick up in verse three. So please read together uh, Exodus three, verse three. It says, so Moses thought, I will go over and see the strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. And when the Lord uh, saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. And God said, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. So we see in this that God appeared to Moses, calls him out by name. God is our father. He knows us by name, calls us by name, and he invites him to be in his presence. Okay, read verse six. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. So God immediately starts to remind Moses who God is, who he is. I am the God of your father. And then we see Moses was afraid. But I want you to notice how God began this conversation. Not, not by talking about Moses' past or his mistakes. You tried, you really tried, you tried to rescue those Israelites, you you murdered somebody that just wasn't, that's not how God started that conversation. No, God starts it by saying, this is who I am. Remember me, you've forgotten me. He reminds Moses who he is because Moses had forgotten who he served. And we're gonna talk about that more in a second. But let's read verse seven. It says, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. I want you guys to really see verse 8. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians, bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Let's skip to verse 9. He says, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them, so now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So let's look at verse 8 again. What did God say he's coming down to do? Rescue. I, God, am coming down to rescue. This is what I'm doing. But then look at verse 10. This is what I'm doing. Who am I sending? You. This is my my mission, and you're going to do it. He's sending us. He sent Moses. He's sending us, guys. This is what God is still doing, the same God who's always been, still in the business of rescue. It's what he's doing, but he wants to use us. And then let's look at verse 11, because I I love looking at Moses' response. Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt That's how he responds. This is the amazing mission. This is what I'm doing. You're going to be part of it. Mm, 
there's one problem with, with your, your mission. You think that I can do it. Why is it our human nature that we make everything about us all the time? We make everything about us. Here God is saying, this is what I'm doing. And he's like, but me? God Almighty, the creator of the universe, is talking to Moses, telling him the plan, how he's going to use them. And Moses thinks that for some reason, his personal problems or, or his mishaps are greater than the purposes that God has for him. I want you guys to hear that. That's for us this morning. There's nothing in us that, is, that could disqualify us, a disqualification that is greater than what God has for us. Nothing. And I wish that I could go back in time and read Galatians 4, 7 to Moses, but since I can't, I'll just read it to you this morning. So Galatians 4, 7 says, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. An heir to what? An heir to the kingdom of heaven on earth. An heir to the fulfillment of all the promises that God has made us that are good and for his glory and, and, and the best for us. An heir to all those good things. I want to say, get with it, Moses. Get with it, Moses. It's not about you. Stop looking at yourself. It's about who God is. It's about who God is. But since I can't go back in time and tell Moses that, I'll let God respond because it's even better than what I said. Let's read verse 12. And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what's his name? And what shall I tell them? And God says to Moses, I am who I am. Don't try to put me in a box. Don't try to explain me perfectly. I am the originator of everything. I am God Almighty. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And then God also says to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. Interesting response to Moses' original question. His original question was, who am I? Who, who am I? Was Moses' original question. But God's response is everything. Wrong question, Moses. You should be asking, who are you that we're going to do this? And I'll tell you, I am God Almighty. I am all-powerful, all-knowing. I'm the creator of everything. And if I am with you, there's no other questions that need to be answered. I am God this is about who God is, not about who we are. But when we know who God is, whose we are, it changes everything about who we are and how we look at ourselves. So right there, God answers it all. The who, what, when, where, how of rescue. Who are we going to rescue? Anyone in need of rescue. Where are you sending me? I, the Lord, will go with you and lead you. When will we go? When I am says to go. How will we do it? This is the exciting part. With the power, with the power that God shares to us through the Holy Spirit, God himself living inside of us like a temple. That's how we'll do it. There's nothing um, about us. There's nothing personally that qualifies us for this mission of rescue. But with the Holy Spirit, with God himself, we have everything we need to complete this mission. Everything. Not, of, not from us, not about us. It's all about who he is. So if we fast forward the story, we're not going to read anymore for the sake of time, but you would see Moses pretty much throw everything he could to disqualify himself. Well, I'm not very good at talking. Uh, uh, I'm an introvert. No. 
no, that's us. I'm an introvert. I'm not very outgoing. This is my disqualifications. It's not about us. It's about what God is doing. But we fast forward even further. We see this, we see like two different Moseses. We see this second-guessing, doubting Moses, and then we see this father and leader of Israel, this like faith-filled lawman, very different people. How did he transform into this? Doubting to faith-filled, could stand in the presence of God, saw God's, literally saw God's backside. Like how on earth did he go from these two things? Well, there's two things that I think apply to us today out of his life that I want to share. One, he spent time with his heavenly father, a lot of it, a lot of it. It, it says when they, when they went into the wilderness and he went on the mountain and met with God, that sometimes he would go up for 40 days and 40 nights. He just spent time in the presence of God. And when you spend time in the presence of God, it changes you. You can't help it, but it just changes you. It purifies you. It molds you. And two, Moses took steps of obedience to his father. These are not two separate things. And I think a lot of times we convince ourselves they are. They, we can either spend time um, in prayer, reading our Bible, in worship, going to church, or we go be used by God. These things belong together. They have such an important relationship. If we're truly filling ourselves with the word of God that's full of rescue and full of who God is, if we're spending time in the presence of God with prayer, it's going to lead us to action 100% of the time. We just can't help it because it's who God is. So when we're being transformed into the image of Jesus, it's going to send us into action because that's what Jesus' purpose was for, to rescue the world from their sin. God wants to invite us to work with him. Take your child to work day every day with God. That's what he wants. He wants to bring us along. He wants us to be the ones that go out and do the rescuing through him. I think that's so cool. God wants to show us what it looks like to be an heir of the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Show us what it looks like to live like Jesus. Show us what it looks like to be the hands and feet of Christ. And slowly but surely, as we walk in that obedience and time spent with our Father, partnering with him in rescue, something in us is changed. We're molded, we're mended, we're broken, we're shaped, and we're transformed into the reflection of his son, Jesus. And we, we can become true Christians, many Christs. We can become disciples of Jesus. Look at Moses' steps of obedience. He would go to God, and he would say, what do you want me to do? And he would say, go to Pharaoh, tell him to let, your, let the Israelites go and perform the sign. And he'd go to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh would shut him down. He'd do the sign. And then instead of hiding, because we're done with that, that's the old me, he'd go back to his father where we're supposed to go to renew our strength. And God would say, go back again. And this is what I'm going to do. And he'd go back again. Let my people go. This is the power and the sign of God. When Pharaoh would reject, he'd go back to God because this is what he found filled him up. And the more and more steps of obedience, as he kept going back and obeying God's word, he saw God's hand at work. He saw his will established. He saw his power and the miracles that he could do. And as he was being used by God to fulfill those things, seeing God at hand and partnering with him, his faith continued to grow and grow. And he became a father of Israel. Guys, this is what God has for us. He wants to transform us from, from ourselves into children so that we can inherit the kingdom of heaven. 
God, that's what God has for us today. God is inviting us to understand fully what it looks like to be a child of the living God. And if he is for us, who can stand against us? Who, can, who could ever stand against us if the God Almighty is living inside of us?